Hey, podcast listeners, Pastor Freddie T here. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hey, shoot us any questions that you might have at info at reallifesango.com. Any questions you want us to answer on the podcast at info at reallifesango.com. Today's a great episode. JV shares a little personal something that's going on in his family's life, and it's toward the end of the podcast. Uh, You're going to enjoy it today. We're praying for you. Have a great week. Tune in. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Freddie. Hey, JV. How are you this morning? Happy Wednesday. Wednesday morning. We're taping Wednesday morning this week. I'm doing okay, but I I, I woke up at 1 a.m. wide awake. I went to bed early, like 9-ish. Woke that's, up at 1 a.m. That's not early, wide awake. just so you know. That's not early. It's early for me, man. <laughs> okay, that's good. What time do you normally go to bed? Be honest. Uh, what I'd like to go to bed most nights is 8.30. You'd like to go at 8.30? 8.30 is always a trajectory for me at the end that's of the day. That's amazing. What you... Last what, night was ten twenty, but did, what do you make it? Does Rachel go to bed at eight thirty two? You guys yep. go to bed at the same time, really? Mm-hmm. Yes, and what sir. time do you get up? I usually wake up well all night, but uh five thirty, <laughs> five forty five, I don't get out of bed. Eight thirty to five to five thirty. Five thirty. What is that? I'm nine just hours. doing the math. Look at you, nine Man, hours I don't get, sleep. I don't get nine hours though. I wake up all during I the see. night. Yeah. So I see. It's very poor sleep. It's yeah. not good sleep. JV, you're getting so old, man, waking up in the middle of the night. I'm not getting old. I am old at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Happy Wednesday to you, man. Happy Wednesday. Sunday was Easter. Easter. What an incredible day. It was great. All across this world of ours, but especially in our little community here over at the Madison Room at the City Forum, it was a spectacular day. I was there early, early. Super early, seven forty-five, and sat down front. So I didn't get to see the the people coming in behind me. But I looked back at one point, and eight o'clock service was packed. Did you? Was it hard to get there that early? No, it wasn't. Because yeah. we're usually just kind of waiting yeah. on, on normals. It was eight. packed. It yeah. was packed. It was packed. Eleven hundred and forty-one, Fred. <laughs> Did you stick your head in the second service? I, I, of course, I have the community group. Right. So, yeah, no, I Did saw. Did you poke your head in there? Oh, well, I didn't have to because they were coming out the doors. Yeah, it was great. It was crazy because in the second service, at one point in time, I, I was like, raise your hand if there's a seat near you. And, like, there were three hands that went up. Yeah. There were, like, three open seats. And I don't know if anybody filled those, you know. Uh, they, were, they, they were carrying tons of No, that's right. Just, so, that, that's right. That was after they brought all the, yeah. all the extra chairs in. And then... Um, I, but it it amazed me though that at, <laughs> the whole room was filled, but like zero overflow seating out of the. It was it was like we had just enough. Isn't it great to put every person in a? So you had three services. You don't usually do three services. You do two normally on a Sunday morning. You had three. You had lots of people. Uh, how you feeling on Wednesday morning after Sunday? Shoot. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just, well, Sunday night I was on an incredible high. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't take a nap. I, I would have liked to, but um, I mean, my whole mind and body were just like so, like full on wide, wide awake. And then Monday morning was, Monday morning was similar. It was a stretch for my lungs, so my lungs had to recover, you know, and, uh, but it was, um, I guess yesterday I began to just, you know, kind of settle in and, you know, really process and reflect, you know, it's, I, you know, I sent out the brain dump, but it was, everything was just still just felt like the high, you know, of the morning. It was so great. It was so fun. Five decisions. Five decisions. Yeah. Five Sunday. people prayed to receive Christ. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I. Like it's it's it blows my mind. We had eleven hundred people there, five hundred people, five people prayed to receive Christ, and um, our church is like three and a half years old. It blows me away. I, I shared with some folks some Monday morning. My my brain kind of functions on two streams of thought. Uh, I talked to my buddy Mike Burnett, like on a Pastor of Life Point, like on Friday or Saturday, 
I can't remember which. It was Friday. And they, at LifePoint, they were doing like six services in a much larger worship center than ours. So they were going to have thousands of people at LifePoint. And then, you know, you think about Montgomery County, over 200,000 people. You know, so having 1,000 people at church on Sunday and three services doesn't, like on one hand, it feels like you're, just barely scratching the surface, you know. There's a lot. The harvest is plentiful, is, is the way Jesus put it. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray unto the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. Um, but, um, you know, so so on one hand, I feel like, well, this is exactly what we ought to be doing. And with the growth in, in Montgomery County, this is exactly what we ought to be experiencing. You know, so like on one train of my thought, it's kind of like, well, duh. Yeah, we had a thousand people. But then on this other side of like my head, I'm like, what? <laughs> what just happened? That's like my mind is blown, absolutely blown, and just filled with so much joy and laughter in the whole, you know, of it. I it probably what was so enjoyable for me personally is just how at peace I was going into the going into Easter Sunday. Ten, ten years ago, man, Easter was so hard. Like the big holidays, they were just so hard. Just put all kinds of pressure. Well, on you just didn't want to mess up on Easter. I mean, it's it's well, that's yeah. what I would be thinking. I know when I taught Sunday school for years, I would go off. I would go off the curriculum because I didn't want to mess up Easter. You yeah. know, you can't mess up because we usually have more in Sunday school at the time, and so I did you not felt, want to mess so up. So you Easter. felt that way as a Sunday school teacher? Too. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. would always do something different or crazy or whatever and yeah it's like you can't mess this up because it's, some people may never you know you know what it was, oh right no yeah, i know i feel that yeah yeah yeah. um well i saw one pastor tweet you know a few days before easter he said something along the lines of um like easter is so fun because the people come so fired up um uh, you know meditating on the resurrection that you could read, you could read from the phone book, and they'd be like fired up about it, you know. Hey, whether or not that's true or not, that idea, I'm like, I felt that, you know, like people are just so overjoyed to be in the house on Easter Sunday, and um, so I enjoyed how peaceful it was, you know. Sunday, Jonathan, I asked my family to stand with me in the lobby, and that was so great. It was just so great, and you know, at, at one point in time, the kids kind of ran off to serve in, in real life kids, you know. Um, it was just, you know, Susan and me, but I really enjoyed just as a family kind of greeting people. And I was just really intentional, just kind of planted myself right by the front door, you know, and, um, that's probably why my lungs were hurting a little bit as I talked to everybody I could, you know, um, had a lot more to talk to. That's for sure. That's right. Yeah. Um, so five people prayed to receive Jesus. Yeah, that was beautiful. 1140 people still, um, as you said, whether it's three and a half years or five and a half years, it still uh, is a tremendous. It's a tremendous thing of what God is doing, uh, as I say all the time, out, way outside of podcasts. But what God's doing under your leadership, and what He's doing with the team, and what He's doing with the people that show up, and the prayers, and the hard work, God is calling His people to real life single for yeah. a reason. Yeah, and we got to do our job. That's the that's the. When I saw eleven forty one, I said that is just remarkable. And yeah, what did you think about that? I said it was remarkable. I, I I I told Rachel we were sitting out second service after community group, so I'm just flowing. In. I said we're probably at nine twenty five today, um, and because uh, I think the week before we were like seven forty five. Yeah, yeah. By the way, this is not numbers. We talk about it all the week, but it is because every one of those numbers is a, is a person. I have zero issue. With I know we're, we're not going to go through that again. Zero no, no, issue. I know that. Yep. But my point is that I was like, there's 1,141 people that God called yeah, man. to a family entertainment center <laughs> on Sunday morning in Sango at the Madison Room. And what a remarkable opportunity now we have to reach out to those folks, disciple them. That's right. Uh, 100%. Yeah. So it's Well, and keep praying as we, as we continue to add staff. Um, uh, I, I got to meet so many people's parents, you know, mm-hmm. so lots of parents visiting and grandparents, and that was that was a delight. That was a delight for sure. You know what's wild? Uh, you know, most people probably don't think about this much, or maybe they do, but, you know, when you look back there at the sound booth, there's a lot of stuff back there, you know, and you're like, what's what What are they doing back there? You know, does it really take all that stuff to set this up? But, like, you know, it's, it's maybe easy to forget that we're streaming to Facebook and to YouTube. 
And like three weeks ago, a young woman indicated, maybe two weeks ago, I think three weeks ago, that she, she indicated online that she was praying to receive Christ. That still blows me away that somebody worshiping online dials in in such an attentive way that they hear the Spirit speak, they open up their heart in faith to Christ. Well, she and her husband and boy came Sunday. Daniel Cox got to talk to him. DJ, DJ Daniel, Daniel Cox. Cox. And they went to the seven-minute party, and she's interested in singing on the worship team and just got saved through online worship. You know, So big shout-out to all of our... Uh, all of our tech team that works so hard, you know, to, to you know, re- I mean, you talk about behind the scenes. They're working hard to put something out online that nobody even in the building is, you know, actually benefiting from. You know, it's like they're serving a whole nother population. And so just really thankful for those guys getting there early and serving behind the scenes. And they do a great job. Yeah, what a great Sunday. Night. So, um I have to ask one of the one of the things on the brain dump was it's not every Sunday it's not every Sunday someone puts a hundred thousand dollar check in your hand as they walk through the door. Okay, so Jonathan, I got to ask you. So that was crazy. Uh, you know, I shook a buddy's hand and there was a, a check in the handshake. You know, and uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, hundred thousand dollar check. I don't know that I've ever held a hundred thousand dollar check. Uh, that was that was exciting. I can give you one this afternoon, <laughs> but you have to give it right back. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll put void on it. Um, yeah, praise God, man. Yeah, so amazing. It you know that you know in in, in the heart of Jesus, every every sacrificial, generous, cheerful gift fires up the heart of God. It it really does. So it really. You know, the, the amount of a gift is not what moves the heart of God. It's the heart behind the gift that moves the heart of God. It's the cheerfulness of the gift. It's the, the sacrificial nature of the gift that really fires up the heart of God. Um, but I do, I do have to tell you, it, it, um, it emboldens me in a great way, receiving that kind of gift, seeing that kind of gift come in. It's just, it's just like a... Um, it's like the biggest, hey, we're with you, you know, and, um, you know, ministry can be lonely. You get a gift like that, and it's like, like, we are with you, bought in, you know, it's just, it, it fires me up in a really good way, you know. So $100,000 is $100,000. Someone might be thinking, well, they just had tons of money. It's not, 100000 is not much to them. Well, $100,000 is still $100,000, yeah. um, and, and. A lot of us don't have $100,000 to give as a gift, but I think it does absolutely inspire us Yes, yes to think yes. about what God has given us and what we, how we should invest back into the, the kingdom, yeah. eternal kingdom. Actually. Well, anytime, anytime you begin to talk about money and people's giving, all you can do is speculate yeah. in terms of, you know, in terms of where people are coming from, how big of a sacrifice it was for whoever, you know, so it's just pure speculation. We don't know. Um, $100,000 is still a sacrifice. Oh, I don't care who you just are. just blown away. <laughs> I don't care how much money you have. It's yeah. still a sacrifice. That's yeah. a big decision. That's not something we think, what do we should do today? Hey, I'll tell you what, let's write a $100,000 that, That's check. where I'm coming from. No, yeah, no that's sure. what I'm trying to say. It's. Yeah. It, it, I don't care how much money you have. It's still a sacrifice. And it, it's, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's that's inspirational for me. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, we yes. try to give as much as we can, but yes. you can't give yes. too much, I don't think. Yes. Yeah. yes. So I saw a picture, I think at the end of the brain dump, um, but also I think you, you, you pointed it out is there's a great picture of you and Parker. I think it's third service. Uh, yeah, it's near the end, uh, of y'all both on your knees praying. What's yeah. your thoughts on that? Well, Dad? the knucklehead, I've got several thoughts. Love the cross by the way. Well, the knucklehead's <laughs> been rocking the nasty mullet, you know, and the first time he did it, the first time he grew out a mullet, we got so tired of it that I offered him 20 bucks to cut it. So he did, and he got 20 bucks. For those out there that have mullets, it's okay. I don't mind them, but Fred, Fred doesn't like it. Here's Parker. the story behind mullets. I don't know if I've told on the podcast before, but, you know, Pat Pierce's son, Kevin, has been rocking a mullet, like long mullet for a long time. And, you know, so I one Sunday, Kevin rolls in with the, with the big long mullet. I mean, this was like over a year ago. And so I get a selfie with him. I, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to get a picture with Kevin. You know, get a, And, um... And the guy, my my boys were talking about how cool the mullet was or something like that. I'm like, guys, listen, 
anytime anybody wears a mullet, it's just a joke, you know? And they're like, nah, dad, they're cool. Mullets are back. Mullets are in. And I'm like, guys, listen to me. Anytime anybody wears a mullet, it's just a joke. And they're like, nah, dad, you know? Well, like the next week, Parker Davenport, you know, like hip 20 something, you know, comes in with like a really cool mullet. And they're like, see dad, see, you know? And I was like, I, I stand corrected, you know? And, um, so, you know, it wasn't two minutes later, Parker's growing out his mullet. And um, so he he gets it cut for 20 bucks. And then he thinks, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make 20 more bucks. So he grows out his mullet again. I'm not, I'm not paying you 20 bucks again to <laughs> cut your mullet, you know. So finally, we just kind of put our foot down and said, hey, Easter Sunday's coming up. You're going to get a haircut. And um, he wanted a cross in the back of his head. And I was like, well, how are we going to tell him no to that, you know? I mean, like, yes, absolutely get a cross, you know. So, yeah, Knucklehead got that cross cut on Good Friday. Cross cutting his head, you know, and it, it was the third service, man. The third service, my heart was just full. It had been such an amazing day. I think it was after the sermon, and we're j- I'm just sitting with my family, and I just fall to my knees, just loving the Lord, and I feel a hand on my back, and I don't know who it is immediately, but I'm singing, and and then I realized Parker's right next to me. You know, he yeah, he joined me on his knees. Man, that's priceless. No, it's that's priceless. I yeah. I just can't. Uh, it's priceless. I, and it was like Courtney Fowers that was sitting behind us that snagged a picture oh, okay. and then sent sent us the picture. So that was really sweet that we, you know, caught that priceless moment. You know, and yeah, I'll I'll, I'll remember that one forever, man. There you go. <laughs> So good. All right. Anything else on a Wednesday morning after a Sunday brain dump? Are we ready to dump the brain dump? I'm just so thankful to the Lord Jesus. Just so thankful. So thankful for his love for us. You know, just he loves us just so strong. His love is just so pursuing us. And, um, you know, just so, so thankful with all the pomp and circumstance, you know, with all the the hype of Easter Sunday, with all the people, you know, you know, then in the in the quiet place with the Lord, the mornings after, just meditating on his perfect, unfailing love. I'm just thankful, thankful for King Jesus. But we've been watching The Chosen. Jonathan, we've talked about The Chosen. Love if The you, Chosen. If you guys have not seen The Chosen Find the chosen and watch the chosen. My mother-in-law strolled in here, the office that is where yeah. we are taping now. Yeah, a couple of days ago, and she was talking about how they started re-watching the nice. last season. Nice, they got into the last episode where they did sermon. Have on you the Mount. have you started watching uh, episode? I mean, season two. I've have already you, watched it all. You've watched it all. Nice. Oh yeah, we're just getting into season two. Is we're like three episodes into season is this two. The, this has been there a while, though. This is yes. Not, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we, Rachel maybe binge it every Sunday as we've talked about. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Now Sermon on the Mount's the last one. It's really, really, okay. it's really interesting how they portray the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. Yeah, it's funny and it's cool. Well, JV, let's take a little break. Let's do it. We do something at Real Life that I've never heard of anybody else doing, and it's called the Sunday after Easter party. That's right. We're going to our land, 10 a.m. It's going to be amazing. The Sunday after Easter party, eight food trucks. Grab your blankets, grab your chairs, bring a friend. The Sunday after Easter party is going to be awesome. We'll see you there. And we're back. JV, I want to tell you about two things coming up. Two things coming up that people want to hear. And then I want to ask you about your community group from Sunday. Um, Well, we got a couple things coming up. On Mother's Day, we're going to have baby dedication. Okay. Baby dedication. And uh, so you can text mission to 97,000 right now uh, and sign up your baby for baby dedication, uh, parent child dedication on Mother's Day. It's going to be great. And, um, you know, Mother's Day, Jonathan, is the th- is traditionally the third highest attended Sunday out of the year. Is Easter or Christmas higher? Usually? Easter's higher. Easter Christ, and then Christmas and then Mother's Day. Um, I did not know that though. Yeah, Mother's Day. Uh, so that's coming up. So if you got a baby, if you'd like for us to to pray for your baby, to celebrate the birth of your baby, to dedicate your baby to the Lord, um, it's just special moments where parents can ask for the church's prayer and and celebrate the gift of God in in a formal way. Just say, Lord, this child belongs to you. Save them. Uh, Send them where you want them to go. Spin them out for your glory. 
that's our prayer for every child that grows up in real life. Um, the second thing is we've got summer studies coming up. And so this Sunday, this Sunday, we'll have a flyer in the worship program that outlines all the summer studies coming up. Do you know, you may not know, because I know you said that was one thing the brain dump. I was, I know you sent an email out to the elders to do. We talked about that yep. last week. So you yep. had other people sign up. Oh, it's been great. Oh, that's great for Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Daniel, how many how many Bible studies do you think we got? Summer studies, we got ten, like ten, ten summer studies. Summer, that's yeah. great, Freddie. Yeah, yeah. So no, that be, really is great. Yeah, through the summer, different studies, different lengths. Some in June, some in July, some in August, some maybe that go all the way through June, June through August. Um, Going back to the eleven forty that showed up on Sunday, this is part of that. People stepping right. up, wanting to teach God's word to people. That's right. During the summertime. You're not supposed to do all that. No, yeah, yeah. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it's just, that is really great news. Yeah, yeah. So I'm fired up about that. Um, so listeners, maybe you're in community group, maybe you're not. Either way, um, there's going to be short uh, studies. There's going to be, I know there's going to be one that's three weeks long. There's going to be one that's four weeks long. Jonathan, how many weeks? Do you know how many weeks you're going to be? Six weeks long. Um, make a decision right now. To commit. sign up, just for, commit to do that's it. That's right. To sign up for a summer study, even if you're going to be on vacation one of the weeks, like don't sweat it. Go all the weeks but one. Um, but uh, it's a great way to grow in your faith, get connected to the people, and uh, and I will say that. this, and I, I don't want to say, it, but it's kind of like, um, you know, if you if you're not in a community group, which we've talked about, it's not easy to go to a community group. I went to Mark Winneric's. <laughs> Tell that to the pastors in India. Yeah, I know. Well, no, no, I got. It. But you've talked about that before. I said, oh, it's not hard. And you're like, oh yeah, it is hard. But it is hard. But I went to Mark Winneric's. They invited me a couple three weeks ago, and I think about it every week. I was like, I really want to go back. I just I haven't. But if you haven't been to a community group, this is a great way to kind of see what it kind of looks like. Uh, it's kind of a, it is commitment, but it's kind of a lower commitment, but, um, you'll see how great community groups, because by the end of the two, four, six, eight, ten 10 weeks that your summer studies would be, mm-hmm. you're going to know those people. You're going to look at them on Sunday morning. You're going to have some conversation. Yeah. You'll have something in common. It's just, it's a really good thing. So commit, 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 sign up for one. It'll be fun. Yeah, that's great. I, I no, I love what you're saying there. What, what you're saying is if somebody's not in a community group, the summer study is a great way to just stick your big toe in at real life meet some people, right. get a feel for what a community group might be like. That's and right. then that's, that's right. great. I appreciate that. JV, you, you guys went right into your community group. Yes. We right did. after the sermon, you had, we had a big uh, group. We had uh 20, 20, 20, not 18, 19, 20. We had four out, five out for serving. Yeah. Uh, or they had families in. We had a bunch there. We had, uh, we had a member, Carolyn Ellis, just love Carolyn and Jerry Ellis. She sat next to somebody at the first service. They got talking. She said, won't you just, yeah. as a single lady, won't you come and sit with us yes. at the community group? She came and participated. It was just a lot of fun. I think what I'm struck by is like on Easter Sunday, you just envision everybody needing to get out the door and go to grandmama's house, you know, yeah. and everybody needed to get out the door to come to JV's community group. Well, <laughs> at least some of them did. But yeah, we had... Uh, we had a full house, uh, almost used all the tables. We kept the chairs before y'all stole them from us. So the it. sermon was a little different. You know, it was a shorter, kind of customized for Easter sermon. But what was the discussion like in your community group? So um, I, I, will, I would be funny. For anybody that's in my community group, I'll say it was nonsense. Uh, because that's what we talked about mm. of how nonsensical mm-hmm. Luke 24 was. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you look at one of the words... Uh, which we can dive into if you want to or not. It doesn't make a difference. But uh, when, it, when it said the women came back to tell the apostles, yeah. they thought they were talking idle talk, yeah. or some versions say nonsense. Yeah. And uh, so we talked about, we explored that word nonsense, and why did they go to the tomb in the first place when they knew Jesus wasn't going to be there if they had listened? Why did they take spices to help with the embalming? Why did they come back and the apostles not believe them? Why did the Peter and John, I think we hear in another gospel, why did they even go? They already were told Jesus was not going to be there. The women already said who they trusted because they'd been around him for like three years. Yeah. That he's not there. And what do they do? Yeah. Well, they go, well, I don't know if they go just to see it yeah. like, or commemorate it. I don't know. Everything was nonsensical. And then when he comes back on the road to Emmaus and yeah. talks to 
Cleopas or whoever it was, one of the apostles uh, or disciples. Um, and they go back, and he shows his hands mm. and his feet. We made the point of, if you look at the word nonsense, it means you're not using your senses. We Sometimes it's a mental sense. But I talked about is your five senses. Maybe you have your sixth sense, but your five senses, things that we can't touch, taste, feel, smell, hear, don't really exist. Mm. Mm. They're, they're, that's nonsense mm. because they're not existing. Mm. Of course, Ephesians 6 teaches something completely different and how everything that happened with Jesus after his resurrection seemed nonsense to those that could not see, which he had not opened their eyes yet. We're not yeah. going to get into that. Yeah. But when their eyes were opened in Luke 24, how it all made sense. It's actually the word in the Greek, I think I said last week, the pieces were put together like a puzzle. As you're talking about this, I'm I'm freshly struck with how patient God is with us. He's so patient. You think about it. I mean, here's I mean, these are his padres, right? These are like team Jesus right here. These his are like church was built on these folks. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you're saying like they went to the tomb and he had told him he was going to rise and you know, all these things and then they, you know, they didn't they didn't even believe it, you know, and I just think, "Oh, God was so patient. He was so patient. I'm so, you know, so for those of you that feel like your walk with the Lord is a roller coaster, be encouraged. Embedded in the Easter story is the patience of the living God. Uh, somebody in the community group said, well, you know, I never thought about why did they go? Well, I was like, well, I hadn't either until Saturday morning. And I was trying to get ready for community group. <laughs> And so I was going through it, and we were reading through all of Luke 24, and we're ta- I was making the big point about why did they go, just like I'd said, with nonsense, and that word sitting there. By the way, marveling, if you look at the original Greek of marveling, one, one way you could look at the word and define it into the English is to be astonished out of your senses, <laughs> that it's just so overwhelming that your senses can't completely take it in. Marveling is, it's just, I can't, I can't understand that. It's just so nonsensical yeah. of what's happening. What and that's yeah. what Peter that's what you said. It, it, it is the mind blown emoji. That's right. That's yeah. what the marveling. So, but if you look and he's Jesus has come back now to his apostles where they're kind of hiding in the room. And and the first thing he does, I said, if anybody has any type of authority over somebody, and after he said, Listen, this is what's gonna happen. I'm gonna do this, and I'm this is what's this is what you're gonna be doing, and they they're hiding and they don't believe and you're going to come back and you're just going to bust them. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? <laughs> right. Why didn't you, what are you doing here? Yeah. And the first thing he does is he shows them his hands and his feet because yeah. he knew where their head was. Yeah. Their head was, this cannot have happened. Mm-hmm. What have we been doing for three years? I have complete disbelief. And yeah. first thing he did was he met them where they were he met them where they didn't believe, yeah. and he took them to a place where they then understood completely, and then they, at the end of Luke 24, it yeah. says, and they sat in the temple blessing him daily. Listen, the Holy Spirit's just ministering to me this morning as you talk about this, Jonathan, because I, um, yeah, this this is this is just really good. This is really good. Um, what Like what you just said was powerful. Well, I just repeated what Luke twenty four said, but I appreciate it. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Say it again. Say 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 what you just said again. Can you? Yeah, I I can say it because I, I, I kind of live it. Um. Yeah. So what I was saying was that every I'm trying to get the wheels spinning. This no, morning. I got you. Everything that happened in Luke twenty four would not have made any type yeah. of sense to anybody that was experiencing how they reacted to Jesus's death and burial, what how they thought and disbelieved about Jesus's death and burial. And then how Jesus comes to them in their complete, utter, I think, failure. Now, we can argue that they didn't understand because he had not opened their eyes to that, and that's fine. So I'm not judging them. But what I'm saying is where God came back in their disbelief is exactly where they needed to understand, and that is, here's my body. Here's what happened. I'm still standing here. Oh, by the way, give me a piece of fish. I can show you my digestive tract still works too. And at the end of the day, he says— this is who I am, and this is what I had promised you, and it has come to fulfillment. And then they believed. He opened yeah. their eyes and click, yeah. they believed. I think, yeah. So I think what was blowing me away about this was um, 
the what what I'm what I'm struck by. Let me see if I can let me see if I can get my thoughts here on this because it's there's a lot. Like I'm in real time right now, and the Lord is like, I think their expectation, even of how the of of how Jesus was going to usher in his kingdom was was so different than the way he was choosing to do it you know and um they were really expecting a different kind of display of his power they weren't they were not expecting a display of humiliation on the cross they were not ex- expecting a display of apparent weakness in death you know they they just weren't expecting that they were expecting Jesus to come in strength and power, which he did through his resurrection, but it was through the pathway of humility. I mean, it was in his birth and his death, it was humility. It was meekness. It was, and I just think it's so helpful to me. It's so helpful to me, Jonathan, as a leader. I'm, I'm taking leadership lessons right now from Jesus, like as you, as you're sharing it. Because, you know, as a, as a leader in today's world, you feel like you've got to display so much strength. You've got, you feel like, I feel like I've got to display so much um, compelling leadership. You know, like vision has to be compelling. You know, um, ev- everything in appearance needs to be strong. And Jesus is modeling the complete opposite. The, I mean, the crazy vulnerability of what the cross was for Jesus, and yet he was instituting a global movement <laughs> to save humanity. I mean, like, there's <laughs> there's no more audacious goal than any person has ever set out to do than what Jesus set out to do. And yet, the way he sought to implement it, the way he did implement it, is just so different than, than so much of, like, the flex that you see in the world today. And so I'm just taking this in. I'm, I'm just taking notes this morning and, you know, and thinking, you know, how can I defend myself less? How can I say, I don't know more? How can I be more vulnerable and, you know, kind of less impressive? How can I lead with my worst foot forward, you know, rather than my best foot forward, you know, how can I find my security so much in Jesus that I'm not looking for any, you know, affirmation, you know, from those, from those around me. And, um, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how hard it must've been for Jesus in his humanity to not be like, Oh crap. <laughs> They're so they're so slow to learn, you know. There's a sense in which he knew he's building his church. He's already said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He knew that the sovereign hand of God would rest upon his people, and yet in his humanity, he still experiences the emotions of disappointment. You know, when they're slow to learn, you know, and it's just which just magnifies his patience, the beauty of his patience. And um, think about that. Oh, why 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 would any of our listeners today? think that God would not choose to be patient with them when that's his way from the beginning. He's so patient. You know, I say it all the time to myself. If you know me fairly well, I, I tend not to be an angry person or a reactive person. Sometimes I am. You're a very forgiving at, at person, home, Jonathan. At home, and, and sometimes people say, I think for years have called me a little bit of a pushover, and, and I'll say that, I always say to myself, it's when someone pushes me too far, it's meekness, not weakness. I want to be meek before people. I want to be forgiving for people because I have been forgiven a lot of how I've acted in the past. And, and kindness is the same way. I think Jesus was very kind to his disciples here, yeah. which is part of the Spirit. Yeah. And his kindness was in his love, and the kindness was, I'm, ex- I'm not accepting you in your disbelief. I'm not accepting you in your behavior. But I'm going to show you kindness, and I'm going to take you to a place where you need to be. Yeah. And 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 look where when they experience this is the cool part. I think a lot of times this is rich rich ruler or rich young ruler depends how you want to look at it. We talked about this a few weeks ago. A lot of times we're all coming to Jesus for something. 
and, and there's nothing wrong with supplication prayer. God, yes. I need this. Yes. I need this sickness. Yes. Or I need money, or I need a friend, or I need yes. whatever. Yes. And God's called us to pray for that. That's right. But I think we're always looking for something from Jesus. And I think when the apostles saw Jesus in his full array, mm-hmm. they didn't need anything from him. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And they started the church on that. I'm getting emotional this morning. Yeah, so you talk. No, that's great. Well, um, they they beheld his glory. Oh, yeah. Great. They they realized he is he is the treasure. And um, I'm 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 so thankful that the Lord is patient with us. That it's all a process. You know that we spiritual growth doesn't happen in a microwave. It's a it's a long journey. It's a long process. So. So listeners, be encouraged. The Lord is not done with you. He's actually, the Bible says that he's the potter, we're the clay. He's molding us. You know, he He knows our weaknesses. He knows where he's wanting to to build character into our life. He knows where, he want, where he's wanting to strengthen our faith. But it's a long journey that requires daily dependence on the Lord, you know. And, you know, we're so inclined to, to have that instant that instant thing. And, um, I think that's what I, that's what I'm I personally, that's what I'm taking away from all of this is, man, God is patient with me. He's patient with me. I'm so thankful. And, uh, well, they can read the whole book of Acts to see <laughs> how these disciples or apostles had to develop and the people they were developing. It was not an easy process. Yeah. The beginning of the church was not an easy process. How they extended the church. It's just nothing. There's, it's nothing easy since the fall and since the distortion of sin. But when you experience God in his fullness, mm-hmm. not just what you can get from him, yeah. but when you experience him in the scriptures and with people and in prayer yeah. and in worship, right? there is no other reaction but to fall on your knees in worship. I got two thoughts. So, yeah, that's uh, amen. Amen. A hundredfold. So... Uh, one of our values at Real Life is grace and truth in relationships. You asked me that last week. I did not know that. Fire me. But it was on Shake the screen. It off. Yeah, Shake I saw it. Off. And it was actually in the scripture. I read a scripture this week where it talks about grace and truth. Jonathan, we're patient with you. <laughs> we are patient with you. Hey. I knew the margin for mission, but I didn't know grace and truth. Yeah. Well, hey, the, the other day, can I just tell you this? Uh, the other day, uh, <laughs> Uh, I had like, I had, I had some Christmas money from Christmas still in my wallet. Okay. And, um, didn't have, didn't have a lot, but I had enough to do this thing with Jeff, Jenny and Daniel in the office where I had them write down our values and I was going to give them each a hundred bucks if they could write down our values, you know? And, uh, I don't know why, I don't know why I choose to give away my money. Like it's my Christmas <laughs> gift. What am I doing with this? You know? And, uh, anyways, um, Jeff of course was able to nail it cause he's been with us for, you know, over a year. And, um, but I literally, I laid the, I laid the hundred dollar bill down on the table, you know, and, J- and Daniel and Jenny are just looking at me like, I hate you, you know, like, so how many values do we have? Three? We have four values. Four. JB. Stop. He's Equipment an elder, power. Demoted. Margin for mission. All right. Okay. Let me hear Grace and truth. Yep. And, um, well, wait, wait, no, no, stop, Daniel. Let me say them again. Yep. Margin for mission. Yes. I know that one. Equip and empower. Equip and empower. My yes. favorite. Yes. Uh, grace and truth in relationships. In relationships, that's right. Yes, and then uh, left ready T. <laughs> that's not the last. You're one. so full of it. <laughs> I don't know the last one, bro. Jonathan. I, when you tell me, I'll know it. I'll be like, oh yeah, that's one of our values. Just tell me. Keep it real. Oh no! Keep I it thought Jesus. that was just a slogan. No, it's our, it is our mantra, but it's one oh, of our values. Oh, I'd do that one then. Yeah, but if you didn't, well, so I you, did know yeah, it. So no hundred dollars for you today. Yeah, Anyways, Jeff was the only one to, to be able to get it. But here's what I'm struck by. Here's what I'm struck by is Jesus's ministry was marked with grace and truth, right? And I think in this Easter story, what I'm marveling about right now is how patient Jesus was, how gracious Jesus was with the disciples in their slow understanding of who he was, his resurrection, what he was doing. And yet then I'm thinking back to how he was flipping over the tables in the temple, you know, and, and, and here's what, here's what I marvel about Jesus is how perfectly he knew what the need in the moment was. Jonathan, there's sometimes I'm stiff necked, hard hearted, stubborn and the Lord 
has to bring like the hammer of truth to, to my mind, to my heart, to my life. And, um, prophetically, you know, you know, sometimes in a harsh rebuke, um, he does it cause he loves, loves me. That's his motivation. Discipline is, is, you know, his motivation for discipline is love, but I'm just amazed that Jesus always gets that right. And I think that that's something that, you know, we want to live life in the black and white. We want to live life in the absolutes, but the reality is, is the Christian life must be, must be lived in the context of discernment and wisdom. And it's like, no, we don't want that. Just give me the answer. Just tell me what to do. And we're like, well, depend on the Lord. So you have wisdom and discernment. And I think that's where we, we get the privilege and giant responsibility of becoming like Jesus in knowing what's needed in this moment, grace or truth. And, and that can only be brought about through wisdom and discernment. And so may the Lord help us as we seek to become like Jesus and as we seek to li- live out this value of grace and truth, um, you know, capture both of those, be marked by both of those, but also be discerning about what's needed in the moment and then be courageous if, it, if truth is needed and be restrained if grace is needed, you know, and... So I'm thankful for that. There was one other thought. Let me see if I can pull it out. I think it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Well, let me let me let me just say that I don't, I don't want to chase this one. And it's it's kind of what you just said about what, how Jesus is perfect and how He knows to deal with this, whether to show us grace in our failures or to give us truth to make us better, hone us better. But you know, a lot of times, um, you know, I've I've mentioned this several times. I'm trying to be a better person of prayer, and I am. It is. Awesome. I am, I'm working on it. Sometimes it's just a commitment to say, okay, I'm going to pray for you, and then what do you do? You don't pray for them. And so when I email somebody or they text me, will you pray for me? I stop now what I'm doing most of the time. That's so good, man. Well, I don't do it all the time, but I'm like yesterday, someone said, please pray for me. Yeah. This is, And I stop and I pray. Yes. I don't really know what I'm praying about, Yes. but I'm just trying to come before God and say, this yes. is what it is. And so what we have done in Sunday school classes and what we do in our community groups, in, and what I would suggest, I don't do this personally, but I need to do it better, is just get a scrap piece of paper, put it in your Bible. If you've got a prayer for something that's really important for you, it may be just about you. It may not be about someone else. Write it down, date it. And then every time you pray about it, either put a tick mark or something else down, and I will promise you yeah. that you will see the grace and truth of how God is treating you yeah. or the people you're praying for and how he's working through yeah. the challenge yeah. of what is so important to pray about. And well, I, I tell you, at the end of the day, good, you'll man. see how God is, is really does work. That's that. good. That's good. Well, and I think, too, you think about if okay if you pray for something like twenty times, then you've got then you have like this visible representation of your faith. <laughs> you think about it, you know, it's like sometimes God answers a prayer after we pray for something once, and those are amazing moments, right? You know, you pray and two days later God provides, and you're like, whoa. But just as beautiful is when you pray for six months, is when you pray for two years, you pray for three years for something. You just imagine the number of tick marks, you know, that somebody's marking, and then three years of praying, ten years of praying. There's a, um, it, it's interesting because I've been I've been trying to think about like where I'm going in the sermon series, like after mm-hmm. after Easter, and we can pick back up in Luke and just continue through Luke. But but I was I was thinking about uh, like a three week series, the glory in the ordinary, um. Because Easter and the Sunday after Easter at Real Life comes with so much hype that I don't want to mislead our people, you know? It's like Charles Spurgeon said, every good sermon needs a good follow-up sermon, right? So so I don't want to mislead our people to think that the Christian life is just all about hype and it's all about this emotion. No, there's a glory in the ordinary. And uh, so just kind of thinking through, like, how to uh, give people a glimpse of the real glory in ordinary unhype, <laughs> unexcited, unsexy living. You know, I think people know what I mean when I say unsexy. I would, I I would encourage you greatly I don't, I don't to... Mean um, yeah, no, yeah, you're fine. I would encourage you greatly. That would be a great sermon series, especially after Easter. Yeah, because um, yeah, that's where we all live. That's where I think church gets a bad name sometimes. It's like that's where we live at church, but that's not where we really live in real life. Yeah. There's a, there's a mantra for you. Um, and that is hard part about life it's getting off of your knees or putting down your hands on sunday morning or worshiping or having a great time but then going facing monday morning i had a tough monday morning 
Um, I had a, a fun Easter, and it was very emotional time for me. But I mean, Monday was hard here yeah. at the office, yeah. and it's just like well, sorry, this, this this doesn't work. Yeah, but it does work. Yeah, because take the ebbs and take the flows. Right. God's in all of it, yeah. and then when we can experience Him and what we do and how we act and what we say and what we think and when we pray, yeah, that is how God wants to experience us and ex- us experience him yeah. in daily life yeah glory in the ordinary well jv let's take a break we'll come back and close her out the bible says god loves a cheerful giver but man don't we have a lot of excuses for why we don't honor the lord with our money you know ministry takes money and when you give god's work is propelled forward i want to ask you to pray today Pray and ask God to strengthen your faith, to deepen your resolve, to invest in His work, in His ministry. Worship the Lord today through your giving. Make a sacrifice. Set up recurring giving so that even when you can't be present at church, your gift is present. Simply text MISSION to 97000 to set up giving today. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Give to the Lord. Freddie, so uh, Tuesday night, last week, a week ago yesterday, uh, or maybe it's Thursday night, Max comes home from karate, and he sits down with you. So Max is 11, gone to church so life. We've indoctrinated him every night before bed. Your son. My son, Max. Yes, my 11-year-old boy. And, boy, and, uh, and so at First Baptist Clarksville, he accepted Jesus, went through the class. They had a class before, and he's a great teacher, and he got baptized, and I don't know how many years ago. He's probably seven or eight years old, maybe nine. And uh, so he's 11 now. He comes up to me and says, Daddy, I want to get baptized. I want to get baptized again. And I said, well, why is that, buddy? He said, well, I I just think I need to. And I said, Okay, well, why is that? He said, God says, because you made the, you know, you, you understood justification. I didn't use that word, but you understood justification. You understood that you were sinful and Jesus died for you and all that. And Uncle Wally baptized you. He said, yeah, but I just didn't really, I didn't really feel it. I said, feel it? I said, what's that mean? He said, I, I really, I really just didn't believe it, Daddy. I, I, I knew the facts, but I really just didn't really believe that Jesus did that. He said, I want to be baptized again. I was like, Okay, we'll get baptized again. And I, and so this week after Easter party, coming this Sunday at 10 o'clock on the land, <laughs> Max Vincent is going to get baptized. You told me you told me he said something about like the Sunday he was singing. Oh, well, yeah. So I asked him, when was the moment that you felt or that you believed? He said it was the Palm Sunday when the kids were up there singing the song on the stage. He said, Daddy, it, just, it all hit me then what Jesus did for me. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, it's it's uh, you see the sovereign hand of God in salvation. You know, uh, Jesus intentionally uses these powerful images, and he tells Nicodemus, "You must be born again." Well, that's a powerful image, Jonathan, because none of us had any hand in our own physical birth, right? Like we 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 didn't it, it was it was not our doing right so then jesus takes that physical image to paint a spiritual reality that that neither do you neither are you the chief instrument in your spiritual birth god is you know and so it's it's funny i mean max's story is my story you yeah. know well I, that's what that was the end of it so he said well, just like Freddie. I said, Freddie who? He said, Freddie, Pastor Freddie, he did this. I said, no, he didn't. He said, yeah, he did. So we tell Della the next morning in Carline, and we're going through the whole thing. And he, she says, oh, that's just like Freddie. And I was like, when did Freddie do this? I've never heard this story. That's so funny. Well, I was when I was 10 years old, I was the only one in my family that couldn't take the Lord's Supper. Both of my sisters were born again. They were Christians. And... Uh, you know, baptism is kind of your initiation right into the family of God. Yep. And then the Lord's Supper is kind of this celebration, you know, reminder of the promises of God are true for you who are in Christ. And so the Lord's Supper is to be received only by born-again believers because it's a reminder of the promise. And the promise only applies to the children of God, those that have turned from their sin and trusted in Christ. So, um, you know, so... 
So an unbeliever should not receive the Lord's Supper. And I would even argue that an unbaptized believer shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. That, that baptism is that first step where you identify with Jesus, and it's your it's kind of the front door into the body of Christ. And when you look at the New Testament, Jonathan, the New Testament knew nothing of a believer that hadn't been baptized. That's more of like a like a, a popularized modern phenomenon. You know, so when people became believers, they were baptized. It was just like it was so it, it, they they were baptism was so attached to a real profession of faith that there was there just wasn't this thing of someone saying I'm a Christian and not being baptized. Well, for me when I was 10, you know, I'm I'm growing up in church, I'm hearing the gospel, all these things. But the Holy Spirit's not working in, in my life. I just want to fit in at church. And, um, you know, but <laughs> human beings are fallible interpreters of what God is doing. So I start asking questions, and I walk an aisle, and I pray a prayer, and I get dunked. And we call it, he's getting saved, he's being born again, he's being baptized. But, man, it was just me going through religious motions. It was just me wanting to be able to take the Lord's Supper. Um, that It wasn't clear to me then that that's what was going on. You know, I felt like I was like, like genuinely wanting to do these things. Um, and I was. I was genuine, genuinely wanting to do these things, but it was not the Spirit of God drawing me to, to the Lord. So I became broken over my sin when I was 12. And that's when I truly turned from my sin and turned to Jesus, trusting in Him and depending upon Him. That's when I was born again, made new spiritually, came alive spiritually. Because I thought I was a Christian, I... I I labeled it as I was rededicating my life. But that's when Jesus saved me, when I was 12. And um, when I was 13 years old, I was listening to a sermon about having your baptism in order biblically. And the pattern of the New Testament is that you're to be baptized after you come to faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit made it so clear to me as a 13-year-old boy that when I was 10, I was just playing religion. I was just going through the motions. I was sincerely playing religion, but it wasn't new spiritual life. The Spirit of God was not convicting me of sin. The Spirit of God was not birthing new spiritual life in me. It was just me going through the motions, sincerely, but just going through the, the, the religious motions. So so I responded as a 13-year-old boy. Went, you know, We had an altar call, went down, and I told, I told the folks, I need to be baptized. And at that time, I would have phrased it the way you phrased it, re-baptized, baptized again baptized. or rebaptized, baptized again or rebaptized. But but now, with clearer understanding, I would just say, no, that's when I got baptized. I just got dunked in water when I was 10. It wasn't Christian baptism because I wasn't a Christian. It happened in a Christian church, but I was not a Christian. And um, so anyways, that's my story and my testimony, you know, in... Um, it's pretty wild that your son Max is. And the encouragement, the reason I bring it up, because one I want to tell about my boy getting baptized on Sunday, this coming Sunday, at the week after Easter party yes. on the land, 10 o'clock if it's not raining. That's right. And um, if you if you know that you're a Christian and you have not been baptized, yes, or in the order of which Freddie just went through, this is a monumental day for you to get, to sign up and do it. You can sign up before, text mission to 97,000, yeah. or if it hits you on Sunday morning, we'll get yeah. you We'll get you in that trough. Um, Jonathan, I'm so proud of you as a dad for not trying to talk Max out of it, not trying to explain to Max, no, Max, you understood. We went through it. You went through the clock. You know, I mean, you recognize, as, as the book of Jonah says, salvation belongs to the Lord, right? So we can be doing all the right things, um, but it, you know we can be building that pile of kindling, but only the Holy Spirit can light it on fire, right? And so I'm just proud of you as a dad for celebrating this step that Max wants to take. And, and I just want to encourage other parents, do the best you can at responding to what it seems as if God is doing, you know, in the life of your kids. Certainly don't, certainly uh, don't, pressure your kids to be baptized, you know, to give yourself some false sense of security. Um, but, uh, 
but just respond the best you know how and trust the Lord with the details. That's that's the comforting part for me is we respond to our kids, and if they're professing faith, then we should baptize them. Um, all the while knowing, okay, as best we can tell, it seems like God is saving them. That's really key. As best we can tell, it seems like God is saving them. Listen, Jesus in the parable of uh, the soils, he actually sought to prepare us, disciple makers. He sought to prepare us for some people that would seemingly respond to the gospel with joy, profess faith. And then when the difficulties of life came, they would squelch out and they wouldn't last in their faith. Um, well, Jesus told that parable to prepare disciple makers so they wouldn't grow discouraged as they're sharing the, the seed of the gospel and people seemingly respond to the gospel, but then they don't continue to follow through. I mean, how many friends do you have like that, Jonathan, right? Well, Jesus didn't want us to be discouraged. He didn't want his disciples to be discouraged, so he tells this parable to, to show you know how, the, how these things work. And so I'm just comforted in that, you know, and I want to encourage parents, and I think you've done a great job of just going, okay, I'm, I'm not controlling this. This is... This is the work of the Lord. I'm only responding to what it seems as if God is doing. So parents, take the pressure off. Take the pressure off. Be faithful to sow the seed of the gospel in the hearts of your kids. Be faithful to get them under the preaching of the gospel. Um, and then just take your hands off and know you can't control this. You shouldn't try to control this. Shepherd it. Pray for it. Nudge it. Disciple your children. But leave the results up to God, right? Um, you know, the first Corinthians says, what is man? Like what, like Paul says, we are, we are nothing. Uh, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Um, that's a beautiful image, isn't it? You know, to, um, so. It's God's work. It's it God's, God's work. God's work. Yeah. So, Someone stopped me. Uh, we'll go on. We'll finish up. Uh, but uh, a lady stopped me right after first service. I had met her right before I preached a couple, three weeks, four weeks ago, whatever it was. And she said, I'm going to an Easter lunch with, it was a relative. I think it was a niece. I couldn't understand because it was loud. Yeah. And and she said, I, I just want you to know I'm going to present the gospel to her because that's what God's called me to do. Wow. So we prayed together. And the, it, and I said at the end, it's, it's, not, it's not the result. It, you are doing your part, but it is God's work all the time. It is his work in bringing salvation. It's not so good. Can't wait to baptize Max and... A host of other people. Yes. You know, there's people listening to the podcast today. They need to be baptized Sunday. Uh, there's people that will reflect upon hearing Max's story, reflect on hearing my story, and and they'll say, you know what? I want to be faithful to the Lord. Uh, I don't know. I You know, I don't know what was going on in my childhood, but I know what's going on now, so I want to I want to be baptized and just trust the Lord with, with today and in this moment. And, and so uh, we're praying for you, and we will see you Sunday on the land, 10 a.m., uh, bring money for the food trucks. We're gonna food have trucks are going to be there. Eight food trucks this time. The line, so that means the lines will be That's right. manageable. Food trucks. Bring a chair or blanket. Yes. I bring a chair, not a blanket, because old man Bones here doesn't like sitting on grounds. Yes. But, yeah, bring a chair. Bring something to drink if you want to. Some water cup. Everybody's got your water cup. And if you want to spill it, you can, because it's not going to run all over the Madison <laughs> room. Uh, and uh, we'll have a little worship service, a little bit of word, I think, from you. Probably some games. I don't know if we're doing all that. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, so... Come out. It's just last year we went, and it was just a lot of fun. I think you'll, you'll miss out if you don't go. If you think you have a friend who's hesitant to come to church, what a perfect day to bring them, right? Because we're out on the land. It's going to be a sunny day. Food truck. You know, it's 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 a it's a party, you know? So I just think Jesus' first miracle took place at a wedding celebration at a party, you know? And, and so, man, there's I, I think that there's something sacred about a party, I really do, um, when you look at where Jesus chose to, to implement his first miracle. So bring your friends. And uh, it's it's looking like sunshine. It's looking like good, good weather. I looked at the weather. Yep. Fred, anything else? JV, I love you, man. Love you Listeners, too, we love you guys. Praying for you. Let's pray for you right now. Yep. Father, in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit, um, thank you for this day, this day that is filled with purpose, this day that is filled with meaning, and this day that your love rests upon us. Father, for those that are fighting to believe your love today, Lord, I pray strengthen their faith. Lord, for those that are fighting against apathy toward your love today, I pray break their hearts. And uh, Lord, 
uh, establish the work of our hands as we as we exalt the name of Jesus in our life, Lord. Um, may we live our lives in such a way that people see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, we love you. Bless those listeners today. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Keep it real, Fred. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Jesus.